Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? The show where you get to hear about things from my perspective, a blind life. I am your host, Victor Gouveia. And remember, if you like what you hear, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button and the like button and definitely share it with someone if you think they'll uh, get some use out of it. And uh, remember, we are on uh, Periscope and podcasts. So look for us on any podcast catcher you actually like to use. And uh, if you're on the group email list that I send out, you will have access to the MP3 file of it. Uh, and you can listen to that as well. So I haven't left anyone out. So if you're on Linux or Windows or whatever the, the, the thing is, you can hear it. And with that in mind, today we have a special guest. Uh, I don't know. Devin Wilkins, who is currently out in Peterborough and has several podcasts of her own. And I'd like to introduce Devin to, well, my viewers and listeners. How are you, Devin? I'm doing well, Victor. How are you? Not too bad. Not Good. too bad. So... I have to ask, Devin, what's the weather like out there? Um, we're getting the odd snow flurry, and it is quite cool. Quite <laughs> it's cool. A, yeah, it's about, um, oh, I think around minus uh, 10, something like that. Minus 10, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've got the same temperatures here. Mm -hmm. we, I think we had a cold weather alert this past night. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we actually had uh, heating centers open. Oh, well, for, thank for the homeless. Yes, thank goodness for them, eh? Yeah, yeah. At, at the very least, thank goodness for them. For sure. Yeah. Now, Devin, you were, you are, forgive my saying so, uh, elderly, and you've had quite a life, from what you and I have spoken about. Can you tell me what your visual acuity is at this point? Okay. I have absolutely nothing. And I never have. Okay. Yeah. So you were born without vision. Yes. Without eyes, actually. Without too. eyes. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, there's this huge debate which people find worse, that people were born without eyes or people who lost their sight later in life, like I did. And uh, I, I'm not sure about that. How do you feel about it? Oh, I, I think it's worse to have lost sight later on in right. life, because if you don't have any vision to begin with, mm -hmm. then you don't have to go through that adjustment phase. Yes, yes. And when... And, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and when someone's vision isn't stable, especially, you know, if it keeps deteriorating and that sort of thing, it's a, a whole new world to get used to, I think. Yeah, I've talked to a few people with uh, retinitis pigmentosa who have had fairly good vision at the beginning of their lives, but their vision decreased as time went on. Yes. Uh, to the point where they might as well not see anything. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, with me, it was different because of my diabetic retinopathy and my glaucoma. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the worst thing, what I missed the most was driving. Yes, I've heard people say that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite a shock to hear the doctor say, you're going to have to give me your license. Yes. Yeah. See, I finally talked to someone who understands. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do a fair bit of peer support here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often hear people say that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quite a shock. Yes. Oh, I'm sure it must be. Yeah. And you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't have gone there even like to the doctor's office, even mm-hmm. dreaming that anything like that could happen. No. Not at all. Not uh-huh. at all. I mean, I drove to the doctor's office. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. he tells me to give me my license, and all of a sudden, I'm not driving home. Yeah, really? So, I mean, well, who's going to take my car then? Yeah, exactly. You have to make alternative arrangements right off the bat. And I, I, can, I, I can't really imagine what that must have been like, but... Um, I, I certainly understand. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I do have to ask Devin, and this is something that I've always wanted to know. How would somebody explain colors to you? Well, you can't really, because in order to see color, you have to be able to see light Mm -hmm. and I can't, and I never have. So, but the, um, you have to get used to people talking in terms of color because that's what people understand. It's a visual world, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to, they, they understand color and, and I know it's difficult to uh, try to imagine what it's like not to see color, <laughs> Right. but, but right. I have to, you know, as someone who is totally blind and, and from birth, mm-hmm. I have to kind of, uh, fit into the rest of the world because they're not going to fit into mine. So I have to do the best I can to, to compromise and accommodate the rest of the world. Right. <laughs> and, and do you find that's a major problem? People just uh, refer to you as sighted, even though you're not? Um, no, actually I don't, I don't find that. Uh, what I do find is that um, a lot of people figure that because you don't have one sense, uh, you don't have any. <laughs> so <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to keep saying, if I volunteer to do something, mm-hmm. then I can do it. I'm not going to volunteer to do something that I know I can't do and, and right. therefore fall flat on my face. I'm not going to do right. that. Right. And of course, you get the odd occasional person that says, your hearing must be amazing. Oh, yes. Yes, I get that often. Yeah. And on the other hand, uh, the flip side uh, are the people that, uh, because I can't see, when they find that out, uh, when they approach me, they try talking into my ear. (laughs) 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 So it takes all kinds. Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine that would be awkward. Yeah. Well, you know, you just kind of 
learn to gloss over things like that. And yeah, I have a, a guide dog here, and a lot of people call him a, a blind dog. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, so I say to him, to people, well, I certainly hope he's not blind. One of us needs to see where we're going. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, we have, um, I run a guide dog uh, email list. Oh. Or I help run it, rather. Yeah. And um, one of the biggest issues is that people call every guide dog a seeing eye dog i know yes yeah you know and it's like no it's not from seeing eye no facts straight (laughs) i tell people and i don't mean uh any uh, disrespect to seeing eye they've done a a wonderful job to kind of pave the way for the rest of us but i i tell people seeing eye is kind of like the uh kleenex not every tissue is a Kleenex. So in the same way, not every guide dog is from the CNI in Morristown, New Jersey. Right, right. Yeah. And and how does that work go over for you? They, they seem to understand, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people still need to be educated. I think uh, people with disabilities uh, need to resign themselves to a life of uh, advocating and educating. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, just before we get into your guide dog experience, let's talk about your childhood. I mean, were you born uh, in Peterborough or were you born somewhere else? No, actually, I was born in uh, Newport, Vermont, um, uh-huh. because that was the closest hospital at the time. And uh, there were no hospital insurance plans. Oh. Yeah. And so, your parents couldn't afford any other hospital? Well, there, there was uh, the, the, the hospital in Newport, Vermont was the closest. Mm-hmm. So that's where they went mm-hmm. on the night of my mother's 38th birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what brought you guys to Canada? Oh, we lived in Canada. Um, it was just across the border, just barely across the border. Oh, yeah. So you went to actually, you actually went to Vermont just to give birth, or your yeah. mom did? My mom did, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. expect that to happen. Yep. <laughs> and at that time, was the Ontario government paying for? Out of country. Uh... Uh, well, actually, um, it, I was my family is from Quebec, the eastern right. townships of Quebec, and uh-huh. uh, no, I'm not French. <laughs> no. Yeah, my father was from Bristol, England, uh-huh. and uh, my mother was a lifelong uh, Quebecer and townshipper and that uh-huh. sort of thing. Uh, so, um, um, so uh, I. I don't know uh, whether Quebec paid for for me to be born in Vermont or not. I never asked uh, anyone that, but I, you know, right. I could. But uh, I mean, now I, I probably they, I know they do now. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you were born in the forties, was it? Fifties. Fifties. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they did back then. Uh huh. If that if the paying for. Uh, third part, third country, or 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I'll have to ask one of my sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have actual older sisters? Oh yes, I do. I'm the youngest of nine. And uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is quite quite a family. <clears throat> yeah. And my dad had three kids first and then his wife died. Oh. And then he married his wife's youngest sister. Oh. Yeah, okay. and she was the youngest of ten. <laughs> the youngest of ten. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> and yeah. I thought and I thought my aunt was was going overboard with sixteen. Oh, oh, well, sixteen, well, yeah, you know, we certainly didn't um uh, tie her on that, but uh, yeah, I mean, in Portugal, there's nothing to do. You can't watch TV or anything like that, so you got to do something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, where did you grow up? Uh, in Quebec. Uh huh. And then, uh, when it was time for school, I went to the Montreal Association for the Blind. Mm -hmm. which was a very small school, very small student body. Right. And uh, and then at the end of grade seven, I um, my family was still in Quebec, but I went to um, school in Brantford, Ontario, yeah. for uh, grade eight in high school. Right. And uh, did you find your experiences there good? Or, I mean, there are a lot of people that said they were... It was horrible there, um, or at least that's some of the stories I'm hearing now. Yeah, there, there were some things that weren't great. That's for right. sure. Right. Um, you know, we hear a lot of of uh, people talk about um, residential schools. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, it 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 had its down part points to it. Right. Um, but they gave us a good education. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy about that. And I guess you didn't have to worry about textbooks and the like. Uh, we had a few textbooks. Right. Right. And uh, after you graduated high school, did you go to college or university? Um, eventually, I went to college. Mm -hmm. uh, first, though, I started uh, working in Toronto at... Uh, it turned out to be two hospitals, mm -hmm. Central, which is now closed, I think, and St. Joseph's Hospital, which now is called St. Joseph's Health Center. Yes. And um, and then when I was uh, working at St. Joseph's, I heard about a course in massage and hydrotherapy. Mm -hmm. So I took that as a night school uh, course. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually... I uh, I've had a, a, a couple of, all depending on my location, I've opened a, a practice. I had one in Toronto, but that was when, and I think uh, it still is the case in some situations, but that was uh, when massage was being given a, a, a black eye by people who wanted to uh, turn massage facilities into body rub parlors yes yes mm -hmm. yeah and, so it was uh, hard to to it was hard to advertise because then people thought that uh, you must offer more than you wanted to offer yes yes 
and they still do. I mean, yes. they still do, uh, mm -hmm. unless you work for a large firm. Uh, yeah. People just assume that you're willing to go the extra mile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's disgrace how men are just so piggish. Yeah, it is too bad. Yeah. 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 So you after you did that massage thing, you eventually did what? Uh, so eventually I, I moved to Orangeville mm -hmm. and when I was there, I, um, got the opportunity mm -hmm. to, uh, follow another of my dreams and that was to become a, a reporter. Oh, wow. So I, uh, uh, followed the court scene in uh, provincial and Supreme court. Uh, mm -hmm. in uh, the Orangeville area, uh -huh. and uh, I really enjoyed that. Right. And then um, I eventually got the opportunity to uh, take a course in radio broadcasting at Humber College, mm -hmm. so I was able to kind of branch out a little bit and mm -hmm. uh, do freelance work in uh, newspaper and radio. Right. So who were you doing the court reporting for? The Orangeville Banner. Oh, I see. Was that yeah. the newspaper at the time? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. And what was their spread like? Their spread? Sorry, uh, uh, their uh, audience. Oh, uh, well, I think almost everybody got the banner. In Orangeville. Uh, yeah, to keep up with local news. Right. Because at right. the time, there was no radio station there. Right. <laughs> And there is now, though? Um, as far as I know, there is. There was when I left, and that was, uh, that was in 1990. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then you moved to Peterborough, or? No, I moved to Collingwood first. Collingwood, yeah. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I was a public relations coordinator for an independent living center there. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah, and... Uh, so I got uh, fairly acquainted with, fairly well acquainted with the press right. there. Uh -huh. And um, that was when I, well, in the mid-90s, yeah, mm -hmm. I took my course in uh, radio broadcasting. Right. No, I'm sorry. That was in the 80s that I did that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did a little bit of um <clears throat> Uh, broadcasting there, but mostly it was from the point of view of uh, wanting to get exposure for the independent living center that I worked for. Oh, I see. Yeah. Not not exposure for disabled people in general, just for the center. Um. Well, I would say both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how did that work out for you? Oh, that worked uh, well. I um I had my own cable TV show for uh, a few years and mm -hmm. uh and uh, I used to we used to have a, a truck raffle as an annual fundraiser right <clears throat> and so I used to uh, be able to write the commercials for that oh wow and yeah, yeah that was fun yeah, yeah. And so you've got sorry. quite quite the experience. 
Yeah, I do. And I had no idea. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I've been very lucky. Yeah, you and I have spoken, and and uh, I mean, just so everyone knows, um, Devin and I have been acquainted with each other on various email groups. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we've never actually spoken face to face, and these last couple of times we've spoken have been eye openers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's had such an interesting life. It's it's floored me. Yeah, a very interesting life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and now you're in Peterborough. Yeah, I moved here in 2012. Uh-huh. And you find yourself in an activist role there? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. I belong to a number of organizations. I'm mm-hmm. uh, secretary of our uh, uh, local uh, chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. Mm-hmm. And uh, nationally, I'm second vice president uh, for the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you're also Canadian old-time radio alliance. Oh, yeah. I, I love old-time radio. Do you want to talk Canadian. about that? Well, um, when I was about six, as Mm -hmm. I recall it, uh, I was getting aboard with what I was hearing on radio. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled a chair up. My my parents would have had a fit if they'd known. But Mm -hmm. I was alone in the house. So I pulled a chair up and uh, managed to find the radio on a shelf above the fridge. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I started turning the dial, and I came across um, a soap opera on radio. Uh-huh. I believe it was Ma Perkins okay. at the time, and uh, I was I was immediately fascinated. Not sure what I should do about that. My phone ringing. Are we okay well, with it? One, if you want, you can Okay, and just, I'll just. Speak on my own. Uh, All right. So if you want to answer that, it's up to you. Now, folks. Hello. We. I want to remind everyone: if you like what you hear, I'm. I'm in the middle of subscribe and. uh, Yeah. Go ahead and hit that like button, and make sure you hit the notification bell so you get notified when we go live. And uh, look for us on podcasts. Are you back, Devin? Okay. Uh, okay. She's not back yet. And uh, okay, I'll yeah. call you. I'll call you back. Okay. And again, just Thanks. look for whose blind life is it anyway, and uh, you'll find us wherever you go. I'm back. Great. Um, and I have to ask, why would they have a fit about you listening to the radio? No, it wasn't that. They would have a fit about me climbing up to reach the radio. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, that's, yeah. that's pretty serious. Were the, were you the only kid in the house at the time? I was. Yeah, oh. I was the only. Yeah. My, uh, my dad had a, a farm, and uh-huh. so... Uh, they were the my parents were both outside doing something, and I don't know where anybody else was, but uh, 
Anyway, I found this uh, soap opera and I was uh, immediately enthralled by the fact that, first of all, we could hear what was going on in somebody else's home. Right. Now, remember, I was only six at the time. Yes, of course. Yeah. And, and also that I could hear two sides of a telephone conversation because I knew then that I could never hear what my aunts were saying to my mother. Uh-huh. When when they were talking, right, and um, it just absolutely captivated me, and mm-hmm. I have loved radio ever since, in all yeah. its aspects. Right, and this caused you to form the alliance. Yeah. Um, so while I was still living in Collingwood, mm-hmm. um, I started to uh, try to advocate for uh, more. Access access to uh, Canadian old time radio shows. Right. You can get all sorts of American and mm-hmm. British and South African and Australian, mm-hmm. but it's like pulling hens' teeth literally to yeah. try to find Canadian old time radio. Sure, and and it's a shame because we had very very good. Uh, radio people back then, you know, whether they were hosts or actors or directors or writers. I mean, there was no reason to try to uh, cover it up or make it not available. Um, our our uh, drama department at the CBC was second to none. Yes. And uh, so we had, and we still have every reason to be proud of, of what we did. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, uh, sorry. Uh, I mean, Canada is not short on talent. That's for oh, sure. no, that's I'll say it. we aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just in the movie industry alone, I can think of at least five people who come to mind. Oh yes, yes. I mean, so it's not. It just boggles the mind that they decide to move to the states. I know, but they weren't pay. getting the pay, you know, for what they yeah. were. Then they weren't getting the opportunities hmm. um, to uh, show their talents and that sort of stuff. So a lot of people like Raymond Burr, uh, uh-huh. who we now know uh, was uh, uh, the um, starring actor in TV series like Perry Mason and Ironside. Uh-huh. He did a lot of radio work before he got into television. And he had a great voice, too. Oh, he did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure. Was he uh, 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 a character actor of a kind? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was he? Okay. In Perry Mason, he was uh, uh, a lawyer. Uh-huh. And in Ironside, he was a, a police chief operating uh, with uh, using a wheelchair. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did he, uh, at any point when he was doing radio, actually do different voices? Or um, was it just the one voice? Just the one voice. Yeah. yeah. But he appeared in uh, many of the programs that were uh, on radio. Yeah. Well, they also did a Perry Mason on the radio, did they not? Yes, they did. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that was yeah. a big But thing. he was not Perry Mason on radio. Oh. I wish that he had been, but he wasn't. <laughs> right. Is there is there a reason why that happened, or? Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't think that uh, he had even been thought of as being Perry Mason until the uh, series went to television. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was quite handsome. Yes, I guess so, yes. Yeah, no, I saw him. I, I oh, did you? Okay. Able, well, I was able to see him before I went blind. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I thought he was handsome. Uh-huh. Um, easily as handsome as uh, Rock Hudson. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I always thought he he fit well in the role. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a really good job of that. Right. So you you created a podcast, Canadians in Radio. Yeah, Canadians in Old Time Radio. Yeah. And um, we do a Made in Canada segment. Mm-hmm. And believe me, it's hard to find uh, shows, Canadian shows. Yes. Um, but I've managed to do 80 episodes already of Canadians and Old Time Radio. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and then uh, we devote the second half of the program to what I call Canadians Abroad. So those are people like Raymond Burr who felt that they had to move to the States or elsewhere to uh-huh. fur- further their careers in radio. Right, right. And uh, how often is the podcast on? Um, it's just whenever I can get a show together. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And lately the- you've, been doing, you've been doing it from home. Yes, yes. I, and I, I always have done that from home. Yeah. Right, because of COVID. Well, no, even before then. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you mind uh, my asking why? Um, well, because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a radio show. On uh, it, it was always a podcast. Uh, right. Although I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't quite say that. It was on uh, Rumsey Retro Radio in Rumsey, Alberta. Oh, I um, yeah. I don't know if they still play it or not, but uh, they haven't asked me for any more shows for the last uh, two or three years. Well, that's um, sad. Yeah, I'm. I keep hoping, but yeah. however, um, now that uh, I have uh, my own podcast site, mm-hmm. uh, I can put uh, shows up there whenever I can find uh, more Canadian shows to uh, to play. Yes. Yeah. And folks, if you do want to listen to Devin's podcasts, I've put the uh, the links to our podcasts in the description box below. Oh, thank you. And if you have any questions for her, you can reach her there. And if you have any questions for her now, you can reach her here if you happen to be watching. Uh-huh. So, That'd be great. Um, so... Let's talk about guide dogs. Okay. You got your first guide dog when? I got uh, Sally uh, in 1992, late 1992 from Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind. Right. And how long did you have her? Um, She was always a sickly kind of uh, dog. So I had to retire her at uh, eight and a half mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. of age. And, right. uh, yeah, she had uh, um, hypothyroidism, 
like low oh. thyroid and uh, also inflammatory bowel disease. She oh, worried oh. much too much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but oh, she was a, she was a good dog. Was she your favorite? You know, I can't really say that because um, I find that each dog has its own personality yes. and displays its own uh, personality traits and that sort of thing. So I, I can't really say which one is my favorite, but she was mm-hmm. my first. She was your first. Yeah. And did she ruin things for other guide dogs? Uh, no, I, mean, I don't. I find that mine is ruining stuff for other guide dogs. I can't imagine working with another one. Oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, that is a, that is a, a fact of life or a reality that uh, if you're going to get another guide dog, uh, you have to kind of resign that one. Yeah, and yes. make room in yeah. your heart, you know, for another yeah. dog. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's and, and it's so hard, especially when they cross over. Yes. Oh, yes. It's very hard. Are yeah. you uh, on your first? Yes, I am. Uh huh. And uh, I actually didn't even even think I was going to get a guide dog. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But uh, it turns out that I like to veer a lot. Okay. When crossing yeah. streets. Oh yes. So, so uh, that's easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Little did I know that she would veer too. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> okay. Yeah, one of the biggest things is that uh, in the beginning she used to take me diagonally across intersections. Oh yes, and, yeah. And and I wouldn't be mad at her per se. I'd be more mad at the cars that just would stop, let me go by, and then keep going. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean that shows such an indifference to Toronto drivers. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I guess on the spur of the moment they figured that it was best to do that than possibly hit you and your dog. So right, and it's it's just you'd think somebody would pull over and open a window and say, "Hey, you're in the middle of the street." Yeah. You know, well, but I guess. Uh, no one did. No, Toronto traffic is so hectic that there's almost no time for doing that, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but you've had how many guide dogs in your life so far? So Frankie is my fourth. Uh-huh. I had, uh, after Sally, I had Oak uh-huh. and Vester mm-hmm. and now Frankie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, you work them every day, I guess. Well, uh-huh. not now because no. of COVID. Yeah, and especially not now because of, uh, you know, snow banks and that sort of stuff. But, uh, yes. yeah, so, um, yeah, well, we try to get out whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and And may I ask, how is it that you take her out even with the snow? Um, well, we usually are traveling by van or bus or something like that. So, um, we, we go up that way. <laughs> Sorry. I meant yeah. relieving her. Oh, relieving him. Okay. Right. Uh, well, I have a patio here. Mm-hmm. I'm on the first floor of an apartment building. I see. I have a patio here. And, uh, so I, I take him, uh, out just beyond the patio 
for him to do his thing. Okay. And a friend does come and give him a a doggy walk, as I call it, as opposed to a working walk. <laughs> right, and right. So she comes every day uh, yeah. for him. And um, so, and, you know, um, a friend has a, a backyard that I can let him have a run in if he wants to and that sort of thing. So I, con- considering how things could be, I think Frankie is leading a pretty good life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you live in an apartment, of course. Yeah, I'm on the first floor. Yeah. So that doesn't help with regard to ham radio. Of course. Um, I'd like to have had my antenna way up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But um, it was more practical and more convenient to take this first floor apartment. So that's what they did. So how did you get into ham radio? Uh, well, when I was taking my course in dictaphone typing, and uh, medical transcription at the CNIB mm-hmm. in 6970, mm-hmm. uh, I heard that they were running a night uh, course in ham radio. Right. And um, years before that, I would have been about nine, mm-hmm. I used to watch a CBC television show called The Flying Doctor. Right. And um, they were talking back and forth by ham radio and uh ever since then i wanted to get my license as a ham Mm -hmm. and uh, when i had the chance to do that i did and i am coming up to my 50th anniversary as a ham radio operator well congratulations thank you i guess that's a big milestone isn't it yeah yeah i I enjoy sorry sorry go ahead i enjoy um working with our amateur radio emergency service right uh, here uh, in town. And uh, uh, for quite a few years, I was secretary of our ham radio club. Mm. Yeah. And you've got a second podcast having to do with guide dogs. I do. It's called Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Right. Um, I know you featured uh, in your latest episode, you featured an old time radio show that actually featured an assistance dog. That's right. Yes. Yeah. When technology doesn't work, old time radio is always there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a, a backup. Yes. Um, yeah. But and I've been. You, you actually look for these types of ep- episodes? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. 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 And. And it isn't something you've heard before. These and retain the memory of you actually go out and look for them individually. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, um, I, I'd imagine that would be pretty hard. Well, you you know, you talk to people that you know who are also um, old time radio enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. You know, and and especially if they happen to be blind then they probably have heard of uh, episodes that have uh, guide dogs featured in them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I, I have a little uh, collection of those that right. I can fall back on if and right. when I need to. But what do you usually discuss on Spotlight, Spotlight on Assistance Dog? Uh, well, um, I'm hoping to chat with a fellow who works with uh, Guiding Eyes, Mm-hmm. out of uh, New York, although he is in Arizona. 
So mm -hmm. he's a field representative and we're going to be talking about um, winter safety with, with a guide dog. Right. And, uh, oh my goodness, um, I, I spoke not long ago with a, an outdoor enthusiast uh, named uh, Lawrence Gunther uh, mm -hmm. about how he has managed to fit his guide dog into all of the outdoor adventures that he likes to uh, get involved with. Um, like uh, hiking? Uh, hiking, yes. Fishing, uh, sailing. Oh, really? oh, yes. Anything like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting interview. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I've, I've found, you know, a lot of people that uh, maybe they're involved with an organization of guide dog handlers. Right. And, uh, and so I might uh, talk to them about a conference that's coming up or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And conferences and uh, AGMs have been very interesting lately because they've had to be done virtually. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I do that. And uh, how I, has that impacted your life? Um, well, it's, you know, it makes life interesting to chat with people like that. And uh, I try to find people that are um, from all over the place. So, you know, not just North America. Mm -hmm. I, I do the, the spotlight on assistance dogs is initially a radio show. Right. on an internet radio station called The Global Voice, right. which is based in London, England. Yes. And uh, so I try to find people from other countries outside of North America. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's given me the opportunity to chat with, uh, with people um, yes. from around the world. Yes. And uh, I, I really enjoy doing it. Right. Right. And then I just turn that into a podcast. Wow. That sounds amazing. And now we come to your other podcast, and certainly not your least, Insight Peterborough. Yeah. Um, so when I joined the uh, Peterborough chapter of the uh, CCB, mm -hmm. uh, Canadian Council of the Blind, yes. Um, they were looking as to how they could get on Trent radio right. for a little bit more exposure and that sort of thing. Sure. So I suggested that I could do a show um, about what's going on in Peterborough for people with disabilities. Sure. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, to do with blind people or people who use wheelchairs or whatever the case may be. Right. Now it's, it's been a little bit more difficult to try to find guests uh -huh. during COVID because actually nothing is happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But um, I, I do try to any lead I think of, or uh, I, I can follow up on, I, I contact them and uh, uh, like, this is white cane week uh, uh, for 2021. Right. And uh, so last Monday, or for this Monday, when my show airs mm -hmm. uh, at uh, noon on a Monday, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be talking about uh, various activities in our chapter. Well, first of all, about White Cane Week in general and where it came from and um, what people do now to kind of celebrate it and, and what white canes are all about. Uh, and, and then we uh, have a, uh, a little thing going here in Peterborough called From the Blind for the Blind. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're talking about as kind of like a lending library of equipment. Right. Um, that uh, someone maybe might have been able at one point to use a, a CCTV uh, and now they can't. So they don't, they, they get rid of it and uh, they want it out of their house because there's no use to them. So right. somebody else makes use of it. Right. And, uh, you know, they can either keep it on a permanent loan or um, hand it back so that the next person can use it, you know. Uh, and then uh, we have a small book club uh, out of running out of our chapter called Bookworms. Right. And so that's what I am talking with people about today. Oh, I see. Yeah. And these these are audiobooks that you give out or print books? Oh, we don't give out the books. Um, they talk about, the club talks about the books that they have read. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. And maybe they'll recommend a book or, or whatever. Right. And then someone can go to Cela. Cela. Yeah. yeah. Center for Equitable Library Access and yeah. get the book themselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, wow, that sounds interesting. You are a very active woman. Yeah, I like to keep myself busy. I've been really fortunate during COVID because um, I have the uh, equipment here Mm -hmm. to do all of the podcasts. Yes, and the uh, and I I also um, do a monthly segment on the first Wednesday of each month on uh, AMI Accessible Media Incorporated. Right. So I have all the equipment here. Uh, I don't have to rely on uh, a radio studio, getting into a radio studio to do it. So I am fairly busy with those uh, uh, programs and podcasts. And then, as I say, I'm involved in several organizations. Right. Can I ask, Is do you do something for AMI radio or TV? Radio. Radio. Okay. Yeah. So you're on various uh, radio reading services. Oh, well, I'm on AMI. Just AMI? Yeah. For oh, the wow. moment. Yeah. Can I ask what you do there? Um, I do a, a segment each month on uh, guide and service dogs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that sounds amazing. So I try to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and and report about it on AMI. Right. And that gets aired how often? On the first uh, uh, first Wednesday of each uh, month on Kelly and Company. And right. it comes on around 3.15 p.m. So, folks, you heard it here first. Well, <laughs> maybe you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to listen to Devon, Devon, Sorry. Tune in on uh, the first Wednesday of every month. Yeah. Yeah. 
at oh, 315. 315. Yeah. Eastern. I, yeah. I don't know what channel AMI is. Uh, well, um, it all depends on where you live and also what uh, cable company you, uh, uh, you're with. Right. Um, so what I would suggest is, is go to ami.ca slash audio. Right. And then uh, click on the uh, schedule, and right. uh, you'll be able to find out what the channel is in your area. Yeah, and I'll put that at the in the description box uh, after the show okay. for those who are interested. Yeah, because I would love to hear that. Yeah. So, Devin, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having treat. me. I, I actually looked forward all weekend to this. <laughs> to this oh, well, that's great. And yeah. uh, I have to say, you are one of the most amazing women I've ever known. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, remember, if you like what you heard, subscribe to the channel and uh, tune in every Monday morning. And we'll have an interview with another guest. Uh, next week, we'll actually be interviewing uh, Shell Routledge from England, who is currently chronicling her YouTube experience with Weight Watchers. Wow. So that should be interesting, too. I can't wait to talk to her. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Devin, so much for being on the show. You're welcome. And uh, I hope we can you can come back and, and share your insight, if not opinion, on various uh, things you'd like to see or do. Sure. Sounds yeah. good. Great. Thanks, Victor. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>